Hey, good morning, Hope Vale. Paul Miller here, uh, one of the pastors from Hope Vale, coming to you from the lobby of our Saginaw campus uh, here at the beginning of our Sunday morning worship service. And I just want to say thank you for joining us today. And I want to say happy Father's Day to all the dads out there that are tuning in uh, with us today. You know, this is going to be a little bit of a different Father's Day for me because normally when my wife and kids say, what do you want for Father's Day? I say, I want to watch sports. And there's just not a lot of sports on TV to watch these days. But we're going to make the best of it, and I want to thank you for investing part of your Father's Day with us for our worship service. If you're new to Hope Vale, or maybe you just found us in these recent weeks through this whole online season that we've been a part of, I want to say a special welcome to you, and I have a couple favors to ask of you. First of all, I would love for you to go to hopevale.org new to our welcome page. There's a digital guest card there that you can fill out give us a little bit of information about you, and that's just a way to start the conversation so that we can tell you more about Hopevale and maybe help you figure out how you can get connected here. That's something that we would love for you to do. And then we would also love for you to take a moment and pull out your mobile device and simply text the word Hopevale app to 77977. That will allow you to download our mobile app, which is a great first place to go to get information about things going on in and through the ministries of Hopevale. Mostly we just want you to know that we're glad you chose to join us today and uh, want you to feel welcome. So today we're gonna continue in our series uh, called Lessons from Lockdown. And we are all gonna have the privilege of hearing from Nate Murray. Nate Murray is our Bay City Campus Pastor and Nate and I have been friends for a long time. Uh, Nate is one of those guys that whenever I feel like my life is getting a little sideways or maybe the ground under my feet feels a little uncertain or a little bit shaky, Nate has this great way of reminding me who and what I can trust, even when things all around me are feeling uncertain or untrustworthy. And I love those conversations with Nate, and I'm jealous and excited for all of us to have a conversation with him today as he teaches us from God's Word who and what we can trust. But before we get into the rest of the service, let's take just a moment to pray. Dear Jesus, we want to thank you uh, for the privilege that it is to gather to worship you today. I want to thank you for Hopevale and the way you are present in and through the ministries of this church. And I just pray that in these next few minutes, as we worship you, as we tell you who you are, how great you are, and as we commit the time to be taught from your word, we just ask that today you would remind us that you are trustworthy and you would give us confidence that can only be explained by the fact that you are present in our lives. So we give these next few moments to you because we love you and we pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen. Hey everybody, so glad you're with us today. Thanks for logging in for worship. We're going to express our gratefulness to God. Sing it out with all of our heart. Here we go. Let's go. Now your joy away 
goes deeper, Michelle.
God, we sing of your goodness and we sing of your greatness. And then we tell you that we're grateful. God, you're great. And there's so much that you've done. And um, there's so much that uh, you've done for us. And that's why we pause this day to log on, to worship, to experience you, to say, God, we're grateful. And God, what would you have for me this day? What would you have for me in this moment? I hope that uh, we come with a little bit more uh, praise to give than we do with um, needing to be filled up. But I know some of us are running on empty. And uh, so, God, would you remind us today how good you are and how great you are, um, even if uh, for some of us it's hard to be grateful. So, uh, God, I pray today that is uh, just another day that draws us closer, brings us back to your side, and helps us to remember all that you continue to do for us. Lord, um, uh, live long enough to know that uh, when we have time where we carve out time for you, um, that you have something special through your scriptures and something special that you want to say and do. So, Lord, uh, we open ourselves to that. We ask your blessing on Pastor Nate, as Pastor Paul has already done. And, God, that the words of his mouth will give you praise and that uh, we'd be reminded again how immovable you are and how we can trust you when life is just whipping around like crazy. And, um, God, there's the one thing that doesn't change, and that's you. Thank you for that reminder today. And um, we look for more of that from Pastor Nate. In Jesus' name. Hello, Hopevale. My name is Nate Murray. I'm one of the pastors. I'm the campus pastor for Hopevale in Bay City. I want to give a shout out to all of my people in Bay City. It's a privilege to share with you today what I've been learning during the lockdown. I've been learning about trust. Specifically, I've been learning about complete trust. You see, six months ago, there were a lot of things that I trusted. <laughs> Toilet paper. Just one of the things that I trusted six months ago. I trusted when I walked into a store six months ago that I could find an inventory of toilet paper. I remember hearing a caller on a national radio show back in February from Australia, and she described that in her country they were having a toilet paper shortage. And I remember at the time thinking Australians were crazy for hoarding toilet paper during an outbreak that was caused by a respiratory virus. And then just a few short weeks later, I found myself driving to more than one store trying to find toilet paper when our supply at home was running low. Now, if you're like me, even now, as stores have plenty of inventory, I catch myself when I'm on a grocery trip checking the toilet paper aisle to make sure that they still have some, whether we're running low at home or not. Trust, so important and yet so fragile. And in times of uncertainty, trust stands out. I came across a story recently from a passenger on an airplane. The pilot, according to this passenger, came over the intercom apologizing to the passengers that they would be unable to provide beverage service as they were about to hit some major turbulence. The passenger heard someone nearby make a snarky remark about the airline saving money where they could. And then the plane entered the storm. Turbulence started small, but grew in intensity. Major updrafts began pushing the plane up and then dropping it down. The first couple of times, people nervously smiled at each other, but quickly the nervous smiles disappeared. Hands began to tightly grip the armrests, and some people even let out scared expressions as lightning flashed and the plane shook. In the midst of the storm, as adults all around her 
grew in their fear, the passenger telling the story made note of a young girl sitting by herself, headphones on, drawing pad in her lap, completely calm, seemingly unaware of the storm around her, peace and rest in a plane full of panic. In times of uncertainty, trust stands out. We've had unimaginable circumstances in these last months. I don't know about you, but I have had moments of fear. Moments of anxiety. Moments that felt like a bad dream. Circumstances have most definitely at times felt out of control. We use words like trust and faith often. In this season, those scriptural concepts have been put to the real world test. Loved ones sick, people dying, businesses closed, jobs lost, homes destroyed, culture upended. In the midst of unimaginable circumstances, when so many things we've relied on for security are falling apart, what allows us to trust? What allows the kind of faith that provides peace and rest amidst panic? When the ground beneath our feet seems ever shifting, what allows us to be people of faith? I want to be found faithful, but when I feel fearful, where does that kind of faith come from? Fortunately, we are not the first to face unimaginable circumstances. In this book we call the Bible, we have many stories of real people who faced extraordinary circumstances and were able to trust God. Turn with me to 2 Kings 18 as we examine the remarkable story of Hezekiah, king of Judah. Pray with me before we start. Father, we come to you amidst unimaginable circumstances. So many things around us seem to change on a daily basis. And amidst these circumstances, it is easy for us to respond in fear. It is natural for us to respond in anxiety. And yet we know that you are inviting us to trust. Teach us what trust really is. Teach us today what complete trust looks like and where it comes from. Jesus, thank you for who you are. Thank you for the life that you give. And we look forward today to discovering more of you, more of the way you share your life in us and through us. We depend upon you in these moments and in the days, weeks, and months ahead. Amen. Let me introduce you to Hezekiah. After the reign of King David and his son Solomon, the kingdom was split into two with a northern kingdom of Israel and a southern kingdom of Judah. Over 10 generations passed in the southern kingdom of Judah and a king named Ahaz sat on the throne. Ahaz was a terrible king. He plunged Judah away from the faith of David and into paganism. And though the prophet Isaiah implored him against it, Ahaz bows down to the Assyrians, the dominant world power at the time, and embraces the religions of Assyria. He shuts down the religious schools in Judah. He desecrates the temple in Jerusalem. He ends the priesthood, and he builds temples throughout the kingdom to foreign idols with particular interest in an idol named Moloch. After 16 years of destruction and ineptitude with the faith of Abraham, Moses, and David nearly extinguished, Ahaz dies, and onto the throne of Judah steps his 25-year-old son named Hezekiah. In stark contrast to his father, we read in 2 Kings 18, starting in verse 3, he did what was right 
in the eyes of the Lord. Verse 5, Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. It goes on in verse 6 and says, He held fast to the Lord and did not stop following him. He kept the commandments the Lord had given Moses, and the Lord was with him. Hezekiah, having seen the destruction of paganism that his father practiced, immediately brings reform. He opens the temple again. He reestablishes the priesthood, and he systematically destroys the foreign idols his father had constructed all over Judah. But Hezekiah's reforms don't stop there. Unlike his father, he listens to the word of the Lord through the prophet Isaiah, and he stops bowing to the Assyrians, which, of course, gets their attention. They had already captured the northern kingdom of Israel, carrying thousands of people there into captivity. And in response to Hezekiah's reforms, the Assyrian king turns his attention to the southern kingdom where Hezekiah is king. We pick up in verse 17, where it says, The king of Assyria sent his supreme commander, his chief officer, and his field commander with a large army from Lachish to King Hezekiah at Jerusalem. The king of Assyria was a man named Sekinacherib. Assyria was the major power in the world. They poured their resources into their military. Their army was vast. Their weapon technology was absurdly sophisticated for their time. With this kind of force at his command, Sennacherib described himself as the king of the universe. Lachish was the last fortified city in Judah on the way to Jerusalem. So after conquering over 40 cities in Judah, Sennacherib set his sights on Jerusalem and on Hezekiah. So he sends forerunners ahead of him with this message for the people of Jerusalem. Picking up in verse 32. There it says, Do not listen to Hezekiah, for he is misleading you when he says, The Lord will deliver us. Has the God of any nation ever delivered his land from the hand of the king of Assyria? Hezekiah gets word of the messengers and the message they brought to Jerusalem. And in response, he tears his robe, he puts on sackcloth, and he heads to the temple to lament and to pray. Then Sennacherib sends a letter straight to Hezekiah with these words. Do not let the God you depend on deceive you. Surely you have heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all the countries, destroying them completely. And will you be delivered? Did the gods of the nations that were destroyed deliver them? Unimaginable, overwhelming circumstances. How would you respond? Fear? Anxiety? Panic? Let's look at Hezekiah's response in 2 Kings 19, verse 14. It says that Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers and he read it. Then he went up to the temple of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. The letter he received would have looked like this, a scroll. Hezekiah takes the letter he receives from Sennacherib, full of threats, full of words designed to terrorize, and in an incredible response of faith, he unrolls it out in the temple. He spreads it out in the temple before the Lord. Then he prays in verse 15, Lord, the God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, you alone our God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Give ear, Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, Lord, and see. Listen to the words Sennacherib 
has sent to ridicule the living God. Verse 17, it is true, Lord, that the Assyrian kings have laid waste these nations and their lands. They have thrown their gods into the fire and destroyed them, for they were not gods, but only wood and stone, fashioned by human hands. In the face of unimaginable circumstances, Hezekiah's response can teach us so much about complete faith. Hezekiah laments. He mourns the reality that he's facing. He also takes a number of practical steps. We know from archaeological evidence that Hezekiah prepares stockpiles of food and supplies all through the nation. In Jerusalem, he reinforces walls. He even digs an engineering marvel, a tunnel beneath the city to secure an important water source for the people of the city. He does not sit idly by. He does everything in his power. He prepares. But ultimately, Hezekiah turns to the Lord, depending on the power of the Lord to bring ultimate deliverance. And it's from Hezekiah we learn complete trust is based on what you trust, not how you trust. How well you trust doesn't matter when you trust things that fail. The key is trusting in something that doesn't fail. Hezekiah laments the reality that he's facing. He does everything in his power to make a difference, but he doesn't trust his ability or his effort or his preparations. He puts his trust in the Lord. Despite his father's lack of faith, Hezekiah knew of the faith of Abraham and Moses and of David. More importantly, he knew what Abraham, Moses, and David trusted. He knew who they trusted. It was the Lord. He knew the stories of all the times the Lord proved trustworthy, all the times the Lord completed the trust of men and women with his power and his authority. Hezekiah knew that amidst everything around him changing, the Lord was unchanging in his trustworthiness. Hezekiah trusts the Lord, and then he prays a prayer of purpose in 2 Kings 19, 19. Now, Lord, our God, deliver us from his hand so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone, Lord, are God. So how does the Lord respond to the threats of Sennacherib and to Hezekiah's trust? This is my favorite part of the story. When the Lord shows up in 2 Kings 19 verses 32 through 35, we see the Lord's response. And there, the Lord responds. It says, therefore, this is what the Lord says concerning the king of Assyria. He will not enter this city or shoot an arrow here. He will not come before it with a shield or build a siege ramp against it. By the way that he came, he will return. He will not enter this city, declares the Lord. I will defend this city and save it. For my sake and for the sake of David, my servant. And in verse 35, we learn that that very night, the angel of the Lord went out and put to death 185,000 in the Assyrian camp. The Lord completes Hezekiah's trust. And the same way he completed the faith of many who came before Hezekiah and the way he completed the faith of so many who came after him. I want to close by considering how we can follow Hezekiah's response in our own circumstances. A pandemic, a 500-year flood, civic and cultural upheaval in the face of ongoing racial 
inequality. First, a pandemic. What does a response of trust look like? Like Hezekiah, we mourn. We mourn those we have lost. We lament lost lives. We cry. We mourn with those who have lost their livelihoods. They've lost their jobs. They've lost their businesses. We take practical steps of safety. We do everything in our power to protect the vulnerable and to help those who are in need. We place our ultimate trust in Jesus to bring about healing, and we look for him to complete that trust. And we pray, and our prayer is not aimed at our comfort, but God's glory, that people would turn to him. Then a 500-year flood here in our region. What is our response? We lament, we mourn the loss of homes, homes people saved their entire life for. We mourn with those who lost everything. We take practical steps of service. We do everything in our power to help people dig out and rebuild. We place our ultimate trust in Jesus to rebuild lives and we look for him to complete that trust. We pray. And our prayer is not aimed at our comfort, but God's glory. That people would see Jesus and turn to God. And finally, how do we respond to this tipping point we see? This tipping point of generations of racial conflict and inequality. We mourn. We mourn the reality of our brothers and sisters. We lament the pain that they have lived with their entire lives. We take practical steps to listen without qualification or judgment. Just listen. We learn. With humility, we learn. And we speak up. We take action. We do everything in our power to call out racism every time we see it, even in ourselves. We place our ultimate trust in Jesus to bring about restoration, the kind of restoration that only he can bring. Restoration in our communities and in our country and in our world and we place trust in Jesus to bring about true equality for everyone. We pray. And our prayer is not aimed at our comfort, but God's glory, that Jesus would shine through us and display his kindness and his compassion and his reconciliation. Whatever you're facing, the God of Hezekiah hasn't changed. He is not distant or removed. He is not far from your circumstances. He made you, he knows you, and he cares about you. If you have already placed your trust in Jesus, if you have put your faith in him, the Lord who was with Hezekiah is with you. Jesus has not changed. Just as he was in the time of Hezekiah, he is now. He is always working, always working to draw people near to God. He is always working, encouraging, defending, protecting, advocating, bringing reconciliation and delivering hope. That's what Jesus does, always. He does all of this not only for us and in us, but he can do this through us. When we trust him completely amidst unimaginable circumstances, that trust stands out and displays who Jesus is to everyone around us. You'll remember the story 
of the little girl on the plane during the storm. The plane made it through the storm. As the passenger who tells the story was departing the plane, they spoke to the little girl. They told her how brave she was to stay so calm when so many others were panicking. The little girl smiled and said, I wasn't ever afraid. My dad is the pilot. And he's taking me home. Complete trust is based on what you trust, not how you trust. If you have not yet placed trust or faith in Jesus, you no doubt have found so many other things in our world to be unworthy of your trust. Things you trusted undoubtedly have failed you. People have failed you. Things that at one point may have given security have failed you. I understand if you're scared to trust. You have every right to be. But unlike everything that has failed you, Jesus is worth trusting. Wherever and whenever you are watching this, reach out. Reach out to me. Reach out to our staff. Reach out to someone you know has placed faith in Jesus. We would love to help you discover the hope the restoration and the reconciliation that only Jesus can bring. He hasn't changed, though so much around us has changed. You can trust his ability. You can trust his power and his love. Scholars believe that three different psalms were written in response to the deliverance of Judah under King Hezekiah. Those Psalms are Psalm 46, 47, and 48. As I read them, I want you to think through the areas of your life that Jesus is inviting you to trust him in. Areas perhaps you've tried to conquer in your own power, in your own ability, but you failed. Areas he's inviting you now to trust him in. What might happen if you allow Jesus to complete your trust? Listen to these words, beginning in Psalm 46. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. In Psalm 47, clap your hands, all you nations. Shout to God with cries of joy, for the Lord Most High is awesome, the great King over all the earth. And then Psalm 48, great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. In the city of our God, his holy mountain, in the city of the Lord Almighty, in the city of our God, God makes her secure forever. For this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even to the end. Pray with me. Jesus, we come to you in a time of unimaginable circumstances. We come to you at a time when everything around us seems to be changing. The ground beneath our feet seems uncertain so often. And as soon as we become accustomed to the changes that have happened, more changes. 
It's so easy for us, Jesus, to get swept away in all of this change. It's so easy for us to fear, to feel anxiety, even to panic. But no matter what we are dealing with personally amidst these unimaginable circumstances, you are inviting us, Jesus, to trust. You are inviting us to trust the only thing in this world that is trustworthy, and that is you. Jesus, I pray that our eyes would be open to all of the areas that we are exerting control, all the areas we are failing to yield to you, all of the areas we have done everything we know how to try to bring restoration to, to try to fix. It's time for us to turn to you, Jesus. It's time for us to confess, I don't have the power to do it. I have failed. Jesus, it's time for you to step in, the unfailing one, the unchanging one, the one who can when nothing else can, the one with power, the one with authority. Jesus, we yield to you. Change us first. Do your work in us. And as you do, pour your life out through us to those who have lost, lost those that they loved, lost jobs, lost friends, lost homes, lost the things they found security in. Pour your life out through us, Jesus, and reveal yourself to them in power and in love. And as you do, Jesus, we pray that people would come to know you that they would respond to the work that you have done from the beginning of time, the work that you continued through the time of Abraham, the time of Moses, the time of David, the time of Esther, the time of Hezekiah, the time of Ruth, the time of the prophets, the time of the early church, the work that you have done throughout the history of the church and into today, the work you were doing six months ago before all of these things happened to us, and the work that you continue today, the work of drawing people near to God, of bringing hope and restoration and reconciliation. Jesus, we praise you, we glorify you, we depend on you and who you are.
away but my words will not pass away that's a great promise from Matthew 24 it's one of those verses that just helps us feel anchored in Jesus uh, at times when life around us can feel a little uncertain it's one of those great verses of trust we can trust what Jesus says uh, well thank you for joining us today here for our service at Hopevale and thank you also to all of you who are faithfully giving to the ministries of Hopeville. You know, especially through this lockdown season, your faithful giving has made it possible for us to continue to do all the things that Jesus wants to do through this church. And if you are interested or would like to give to Hopevale, there's a couple ways that you can do that. First of all, you can go to hopevale.org give, or you can simply text the word Hopevale to 77977 if you want to give electronically. Uh, if you prefer to mail in or drop off your gift, you can do that as well to our ministry center offices on Shattuck Road here in Saginaw. Uh, thank you for your giving. And I just want to say again, happy Father's Day. Enjoy the rest of your day. You know, I think NASCAR's on ta in Talladega this weekend and the PGA Tour is in Hilton Head. That's about all you got working for you, dads. Otherwise, you're on your own. Have a great Father's Day, and we'll see you next Sunday.